Lord, I thank you so very much that you have uh, chosen to reveal yourself to us through Jesus. Lord, and that you've also given us the scriptures to help us understand, to learn um, you, to learn more about you, to have a relationship with you. And as we turn to the scripture today, I ask that you would help us to understand what it is that we're reading, and I ask that you would help us to know what to do about it. I thank you that you've given us relationships with people in this room to encourage our faith. We thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As you see on the screen, our stated purpose as a church, we derive from Scripture. We don't think it's fancy. We don't think it's unique to us. And that is, we're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share His love. And to that end, we're turning to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. And I want to have a look at uh, what people uh, often call the Lord's Prayer, which is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Uh, before we read it, I'd like to just help us with a little bit of context. So throughout the Old Testament, we read history and we see how God, from the beginning of saying, let there be light, and the creation story, from the beginning of creating Adam and Eve and giving them an opportunity, saying, hey, be fruitful, multiply, enjoy the earth, here's some stuff to do, but I'm asking you to not do this one thing. And what did they do? They did the one thing that this permissive, loving, freedom-inspired, creative God, the one thing that he asked them not to do, that's what they did. And aren't they like us in that respect? Wait, aren't we like them? Right? They did the one thing that he asked them not to do. And from that very first story with Adam and Eve, we see God being who he said he is, how he described himself to be. When he came down to Exodus 34, he spoke his own name, Yahweh, which is to say, I am the creator and I am the redeemer. When God spoke his own name and described himself as being full to overflowing with love, with mercy, with truth, forgiving thousands of generations, he said, as he described himself in Exodus 34, and forgiving a one-time offense, a repeated offense, a lifestyle of, of offense and rebellion. That's how God described his own forgiveness. From the very beginning, we see God crafting a redemptive narrative in the way that he relates to every single human. We see him in the garden, walking with Adam and Eve. And in the same way, when man continued to rebel, man continued to choose to relate to God, not through his grace, but through a legalistic way, God saw fit to send his son, to send Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our sent one, Yeshua Yamashiach, the Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, Come on, somebody, right? The Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. He saw fit to send His Son, Jesus Christ. And we believe that everything about Jesus Christ, of whom no historian, no scientist can refute His existence, His virgin birth, His resurrection, 500 people seeing Him after He was executed by the most professional executioners in all of human history, the Romans, put to death, declared dead. Three days later, he comes back to life. Over 500 people see him. No historian can refute this fact. He speaks. He is the resurrected Lord. And we believe that everything about Jesus Christ informs us of who this God is. It helps us understand God. And through Jesus, we must understand that God desires a personal relationship 
with us. It's a part of His redemptive narrative. So when we talk about prayer, when we talk about fasting, we are not talking about doing better. We are not talking about doing good enough to be good enough. That's legalistic garbage. That's wrong approach, wrong theology. We do not fast to obtain merit to become a better person in our relationship with God. Am I making any sense? That's wrong thinking. That does not come from the Bible. Only Jesus affords us a way to be good in God's sight. Only Jesus. That free gift of grace that through our faith in Him, we're afforded this relationship, this healthy relationship. So that's the context. Now Jesus has opened His mouth and we see in Matthew 6 the recording that is said. Listen, this is the message that He starts to preach. We see in Matthew 4, everywhere He went, He said, repent, turn around, you are going this direction, you are selfish, you are relating to God in a wrong way, repent, turn around, confess that you're wrong in your need for God and go this way. For the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the message Jesus speaks over and over and over. And then... In this first big block of Jesus speaking, Matthew 5, 6, 7, which I find, sadly, many people who call themselves Christians are not familiar with. This first time, God speaks. He speaks to us. And what we see Him doing is, blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the, right? Matthew 5. And what we miss by distractions on surface issues in 5, 6, and 7 is that he is shifting their focus from actions to a heart issue. I invite you, read it over and over and over. Study it. Question it. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's shifting their heart, their focus from actions and the exterior and how we look and smell and how people think about us on the outside to what's in our heart. He's saying, you have heard it said, thou shalt not kill. But I say, right? He's shifting their focus to what's in the heart. He's saying that God through Moses and through the law related to you because you were hard-hearted. And that's why God gave you the law. And God gave you the law to show that you couldn't live perfect. And God gave you the law to let you know that murder is wrong. But I am now saying that out of a love relationship with God, what's in your heart is more important. And so you shouldn't even call someone else an idiot. That's a literal translation of what Jesus says. So now in this context of shifting, is this helpful? Shifting to a heart focus. That's the context in which in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus starts to talk about the normal mini Jesus, mini me Christian life, which is to say, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Matthew 6, that's his main subject, and he brings it home at the end of Matthew chapter 6, around verse 33, where he says, don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat. Those are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Don't worry about those things. Tomorrow's got enough trouble for itself. Isn't your God good enough? Won't your God provide? Hasn't your God always provided? Don't worry about anything. And he brings it home in verse 33. And that's our focus through January when he says, seek first. And he uses a specific street Greek word, which is to say, pay attention. This is not only the first in numerical order, but what I'm about to say, this is more important of higher value, of greater value. 
Seek first the kingdom of God. And what we miss if we limit the gospel, what we understand as the gospel, if we limit the gospel to only an understanding of our salvation, we are missing out on the redemptive narrative that God was doing from the very, very beginning and what Jesus intends to do when God ultimately, when the apocalypse comes, don't trust all your movies, God will remake this earth and heaven and reveal the city of our God that he has been preparing. So the ultimate narrative, which includes justice, Jesus first reveals himself in the temple, identifies himself, yo, I'm the Messiah, and he quotes Isaiah 61, which is a prophecy of justice. So justice, setting right the wrongs, is included in the gospel. So Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God a lot. Righteousness, being in right relationship with God and others. Salvation. It's a very essential part we need to understand. Peace and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy is how Jesus describes the kingdom of God. So when we take Matthew 6.33, kind of our pilot scripture for January, seek first the kingdom of God, what are we talking about? Righteousness, peace, and joy. And then he says, and all these things will be added unto you. So don't worry. And it's not a Rastafarian don't worry. Let's light up the marijuana and just peace out. That's not, Jesus is not talking about living in a fantasy world. He's not talking about living in a fantasy. He's talking about living in a right relationship with the God who created you with design. That is some good stuff right there. So in that context, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, Jesus says, don't do it for show. It's what he says on each thing. When you give your money, when you pray, and when you fast, don't do it for show. It's about your relationship with God. Now, I'm, for the sake of time, what I'm trying to do is boil this down, summarize, synthesize. Is that right? Don't do it for show. It's not so you can have a great reputation. It's about your relationship between you and the living God. That's what he says about each of those things in Matthew 6. Now, that is the context in which he instructs us on how to pray. Now we can read. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus speaking, pray like this. Some of you that grew up in church, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It's our sins as we forgive those who against us. Right? Thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Right? Now let's read it from the New Living to help you understand these words. Our Father in heaven, or literally from the Greek Daddy God who's up there, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, I'd like to this morning do something um, a little bit unusual. Uh, If you have been in this church for a few years, you've heard me teach on this text before. So I want to take just a slightly different approach. Now, I've got to preface this by saying it's so critical that 
we not remove the personal relationship foundation of the idea of prayer. Right? Prayer does not make you holy. You heard me say all that stuff at the beginning, right? We can't... It is about your personal relationship with God. Now, yes, showing up here, showing up to your small group, uh, reading the Bible, speaking the words, praying even when you don't feel like it, praying even when you don't understand, all of those things can contribute to the growth of your relationship. But they are not your relationship. What's going on in here between you and God? Right? Now, for me... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor, we celebrate him this weekend, said it best. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. When we wrap up this morning, I'm going to read some of his, some of his prayer to you that I think is relevant to us today. Prayer is a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. Prayer is a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. When I met my wife for the first time, I did not have the same conversation that we had this morning. Right? This August, we'll have been married 20 years. We've, we've learned a little something about intimacy, about love, about personal relationship. Right? You don't speak to a person and listen to a person the same way the first time you meet them than you do as you grow in a personal relationship. And if it's a healthy relationship, this means that both parties are asking each other questions and are learning about each other, observing each other, paying attention to the other person. Now, what I, one of the things that I love about my wife is that she is unfathomable. I can never learn at all. There's always something that's coming up that's like, really? I did not know that. That may be because I'm a guy and I'm a little dense. I don't know. But that's, there's always something new to learn. Well, listen, if there's always something new to learn every day about Rebecca, how much more so is there always something new to learn about God? Who created Rebecca? Every day, there is something new to learn about our Lord. That's why His words are an inexhaustible resource. And so it's important to point out that in our prayer life, that it is based on your relationship with God that includes your knowledge of God. Who is it that you're speaking to? And what I have to do at times is before I want to talk about what I think I want to talk about, God, this is messed up, and why didn't you change that? Before I want to talk about what I think I want to talk about, I've got to start so that I come to Him with the right attitude, with a healthy... How many of you know that Like God, God's alright if you yell at Him? I mean, read the Psalms. God's, God's alright with that. And, and, and it's not healthy to teach our kids to not be angry at God. 
God's not afraid of your anger. Read the scriptures. There's all kinds of stories about that. But what he is doing through that, just like I with my children do, is he's leading us through our anger to a healthy relationship with himself. Does that make sense? So part of what has to happen is, I've got to start with God, this is who I believe you are. And so I describe him. Is that making sense? Now, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. So here's what I want to do. The bottom word is thanks. Um, I want to... Martin Luther, Martin Luther the reformer, had a barber. Guy who cut his hair, shaved him. His name was Peter. And Peter was uh, learning about this whole Jesus thing. But tragically, one day, Peter got drunk at a family party and stabbed and killed his son-in-law. His own son-in-law. And Martin Luther intervened in the legal system so that Peter the barber wouldn't be executed, but instead would only be sentenced to a life in exile. And so as Peter the barber, who had stabbed and killed his son-in-law, was being ready to be sent out into exile, Martin Luther wrote him a letter Because the one thing that Peter asked him to help him with was how to pray. And so Martin Luther wrote this letter to his barber about how to pray. And a lot of it has to do with the Lord's Prayer. And so I'd just like to use that as a little bit of a pattern for us in this approach to the Lord's Prayer. Does that sound okay? So one of the things that Martin Luther wrote um, was that we start with thinking about a passage of Scripture we already know. And that we use that to start our conversation with God. And so, he gave an example of starting with actually the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And that seemed kind of appropriate to our time of prayer. And so I just want to talk about that real quick. So he said, what you should do is meditate on that passage, you shall have no other gods before me, which is kind of a weird one you'd think because it's a negative, right? But we'll take it, right? So with a moment of self-examination before you come to God and identify within yourself if there are in any ways that you are not lining up with the Scripture. So is there anything on the inside of me in which there is something that has become more valuable than God? Am I making any sense? This is a part of what Martin Luther wrote. So he said, I've got to examine myself first, and then I should start by saying, God, you are good. You are the God that should be number one in my life. That should be easy for me to say that there's no other God before you. I'm sorry. This is the way in which something has become more valuable to me than you. Please forgive me And give me the grace to not live that way. So to start with one passage of Scripture that you already know, and to use that to start the conversation with God. Does that make sense? Kind of simple enough? So he suggests that that's our our first point. Then his second point was that we talk to God by paraphrasing or using our own words to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And so what I did on the screen was just give you categories, if you will, to simplify it, right? So it starts with WOW, which is not an acronym for Week of Welcome. It's (laughs) WOW, like God, you're amazing. God, you are wonderful. Wow, right? So that, I find, is a really healthy way to be on the front end of your prayer. 
Who is it that you're talking to? Wow, God, I believe that you created the galaxies, the universe. You created this earth. You carved the depth of the ocean. You carved the peak of the mountains. You're the one true living God. You're the God above all other gods. It's in your own words, you start to say, God, you're good. And what happens is you, start, you will start to mature. You'll start to grow up because you're forcing your mind and your emotions to focus on the good. Right? Now, the more you learn about God, the more you will have to say about how he's good. Or it could be, God, you are good because you created... I got in trouble last week for talking about prohibited foods. (laughs) God, you are good because you created breathing. Or the ocean. I love the ocean. Right? So start with wow. Second inner pattern, God who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In our asking for help, we've got to have the context of submitting to his will first. Right? Now, this is in the serenity prayer, right? But then the, in the 12 steps, this is a part of what's in the serenity prayer, and that, this is where it comes from. Help me to accept the things. Okay, good. Some of us know it, right? That's a submission to God, your kingdom come, God, your will be done. Now, if I'm going to truly submit to God, that means that the things that are wrong that I want to see right, I'm asking God, God, grace me to be able to be the change I need to be, ask for the change that needs to happen, and at the same time, submit to what you want to be done. But it's helpful because in the middle of me saying, God, okay, not my will, but your will, But in the middle of that, I have the context to say, God, you are a God of righteousness, right healthy relationships with him and with other humans, peace and joy. God, let that be done in our world. Because then I can easily say, God, let this year be a year of zero murders. Why? Because if I'm praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, that would be all humans lining up with his kingdom. Right? Because you don't murder someone else when you're in a right, healthy relationship with them. I think Peter the barber would say that of his own murder of his son-in-law. Just a clue, drunkenness is a sin. And there's a reason. Right? So, wow! Help! Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, on the inside of me, in my home. And I go through my roles and my goals. So I say, God, please let your kingdom come, your will be done for who I am as a person, in my marriage, and in my parenthood. And what goes on in my home? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And then in your own words, you want to talk that out and what that means to you. Right? Give us this day our daily bread. If I am coming to a place where I'm realizing that I'm stress praying, I'm praying out all my worry and my anxiety about the bills and the finances and everything else, maybe it's time for a shift. Maybe that prayer needs to start with Proverbs 3, 5-6. through 6. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I will lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I will acknowledge Him and He will direct my path. Maybe I need to start with God, thank you for what you have provided. I'm wearing a shirt. It's better than not. 
I don't think any one of you wanted to come this morning to see me shirtless. Right? So it's good to say, God, thank you for what is. Thank you for what is. My perspective starts to shift. And please continue to provide my daily bread. Please continue to provide my daily bread. Then some would pray that Jabrez's prayer would wrap that in there. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would expand my borders, that you would cause me to grow, that you would protect me from evil. Right? Under the, the covenant of Abraham, let me be blessed that I could be a blessing to others. Right? So there's a lot more that you can add to that. But there's a context for you to say, God, provide. Be my provider. Help us. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Is this starting to make sense? Okay. Not totally sure if I'm jumping around too much for it to be helpful. But the point is that you would use your own words to pray the topics of the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus gives us this prayer, it is a tool. It's a power tool. It's a tool for us to use. And so praying out in your own words, God, help us. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, what we can't leave out of this prayer is something that we would really like to. I've done wrong. And we understand from His Word that sin is both when I do not do the right thing and when I do the wrong thing. Right? Sins of omission, sins of commission. It's time to stop and say, God, please forgive me. Please Forgive me for my sin. As I forgive. And time to pause. And I will pause when every time I pray this prayer. And for me, this is a daily thing. God, I forgive. And I pause and say, what, what comes to the surface, right? What, who is it that I'm irritated at? Nobody in this room. Who am I irritated with? Who's wronged me? Who's done wrong? And I say, God, I forgive them. And you notice that when Jesus talks about forgiveness, He talks about this prayer always linked together. Forgive me as we forgive. It's an essential element of the forgiveness process. But you can't take repentance out of relationship with God, out of the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It's really important that you are specific. And at this point, just like you might be this morning semi-listening to me, you might be struggling with distraction. And as you're sitting down to try to talk to God, it's very normal. It's normal for me. It's really difficult. I'm always changing the way, the methods that I use to pray to help me focus. I'm just old enough that they didn't give me Ritalin or call me ADD, ADHD, because I missed out on that diagnosis. Just like I missed out on concussion diagnosis, probably should have. But... um. So I get distracted every day. And so sometimes that means that i got to sit down and I write out my prayer. Like, actually write out the sentences. It's almost like torture the first time, to be honest with you, right? That's tough. But it's a way, like, what can I do that focuses my mind, that helps me not be distracted and think about anything else? So when you get deep, when you get deep into the prayer and talking to God, we're at, you know, at the halfway point here on the second step, paraphrasing the Lord's Prayer. I'm now to God forgive me as I forgive. 
Maybe you need to do something different than you normally do. Maybe you need to pull out the Bible, stare at the words, pull out one of our prayer cards. Maybe you've got to walk. I like to walk myself personally. Uh, maybe you need to write it out. But f- find tricks. Do things to help you focus. It, my wife knows when I'm not there while we're having a conversation. Our parents were, you came up through in the 60s, we were both born in 74. When, when our parents were our age and coming up, there was a saying that should be a little bit more popular now. It was, be here now. Be here now. Be present. Well, that's really hard to do when you have a device in your hand. You're being present with other things or people. But not the people that you're in physical space with. Right? Sometimes you've got to put that device in your pocket if you want to actually have a relationship with whoever you're with. So it's the same with God. I've got to turn off whatever it is that's distracting me, whatever it is that is interrupting the flow. Am I making sense? And I just want to uh, put out to you that doctors say that cold water has the same effect on waking you up as caffeine. Without the side effects. True story. So... I've got to not be distracted. I've got to come to a place of repentance. And as we see over and over and over in the Scripture, I've got to make sure that gratitude is a part of my prayer. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. Now, the, I, I want to just say to you this. If God is not the starting point of your prayer, then our own perceived emotional needs become the drivers and the sole focus of our prayer. We cannot grow in relationship with a person unless we learn who they are. Good prayer is really not, don't do this, don't do that. It's really draw close to the one. And sometimes what that means is that you need to start not by trying to pray, but maybe you need to start by reading about the one to whom you're praying talking about, questioning, thinking, who is it? To whom am I speaking? To whom am I listening? So, sorry, I didn't give these to you. So just to summarize Martin Luther's suggestions to Peter, start with meditation on a previously studied text. Start there, like the example, let there be no other gods before me. Paraphrase the Lord's Prayer. Use the Lord's Prayer. Say it in your own words. Follow the topics, but use your own words to pray it out and come back to these modes through the Lord's Prayer. And then lastly, pray from your heart. Listen, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And that includes your listening to Him and your speaking to Him. Jesus specifically says in Matthew 6, when He's saying, when you pray... Don't just repeat stuff mindlessly. Because repeating stuff mindlessly is what the pagans do. And you're putting yourself in a catatonic state or or just distracted so you can just think about other stuff and it's not actually a relationship. You pray with your mind. You pray with your heart. You pray with your words. I want to just remind you, why? Why are we able to do this? Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, He is able once and forever to save those whom come to God through Him. 
He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. He's alive today. His thoughts, His emotions, and He's praying for you. More than one place in the Bible we, we see that. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than being alive without breathing. Jimmy and Chris, if you'll come. Before I read to you some of um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s prayers, I'd like to just give us a moment to pray in this space now. And privately, you can stay right where you are. You can, you can bow your head. You can kneel. You can stand. You can move around. But whatever you need to do to just kind of focus. And I'm going to, for, for a couple of moments, I'm just going to pray myself intermittently to try to help. But this time is for you. This time is for you to communicate. We need to be very, very quick to confess our wrong and receive forgiveness and move on into a healthy relationship. That should be quick. Quick. So if you're feeling some measure of conviction this morning, it's quick. The work has already been done for your forgiveness. God's not here to punish you this morning. God has no desire to cause you to feel sorrow for any length of time, only if it causes a healthy response in your actions. That you would love Him, that you would receive His love. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray. Oh God, Daddy God in heaven, you are wonderful. You are full to overflowing with love. Lord, we believe that You are who You said You are. You're our Creator. You're our Redeemer. We come to You this morning and we say, Lord, we believe that You are who You said You are. Even when our world is not right, even when it's wrong, we make a decision. We choose to believe that You are who you said you are. But Daddy God who is in heaven, let your name be kept holy in us. Let your name be set apart, be different than, greater than, set apart than any other name in our heart. Lord, we want you to be more important than anything else in our lives. Forgive us for when it's not. Forgive us for when other things, cravings, desires, even ourselves, we've allowed even ourselves to be more important to us than you. Please forgive us for that, O oh Lord. 
thank you that forgiveness is possible. We thank you that we can speak to you. We can listen to you today. We submit. We say, God, not what we want, but what you want. In our thoughts, in our emotions, not what we want, but what you want with our time, with our energy, with our money. God, not what we want, but what you want with today, with this afternoon, with our rest, with tomorrow, with what we put our hands to work at. Not what we want, but what you want. As we believe righteousness, peace, and joy is your will. It's good for us. It's good for our family, our homes, our community, our workplaces, our schools. God, not what we want, but what you want. And Lord, we say that there are things that are wrong. Educational inequality, racism, murder, addiction, disease. There are things in our world that are wrong. We're asking you to make them right. To bring us, to bring others into alignment with you to work according to your purpose. To live, breathe, emote to others according to your purpose. Lord, we say in us and in our city, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Lord, I thank you that every one of us is alive today, that we are here, we can breathe We enjoy each other's company and thank you for what you have provided and we ask that you would continue to provide. And that not only you'd continue to provide our needs, but that we would be blessed to be a blessing to others. That there would be purpose with the resources you put in our hands. God, please, please forgive us for where we go astray. For when we don't do the right thing and when we do the wrong thing, we confess it. Please forgive us. As we forgive, Lord, right now we choose to forgive those who have wronged us. We let go of a right to punish them. We give that to you. We forgive words, actions, deeds. We forgive. Protect us from temptation. Protect us from the attacks of the evil one, even from the filth of this world. Help us to walk in daily relationship with you. Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close, I just want to read this uh, prayer to you. You, uh, if you haven't read Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail, I do recommend that you do that. If you Google it, it's easy to find on, online. I do recommend that you read it. But also, uh, this week I was reading his uh, prayers um, summarized called Thou Dear God. And I just want to read just a few excerpts to you as we close. I think they're relevant to us today. We thank Thee, O God. For the spiritual nature of man. We are a nature 
but we live above nature. Help us never to let anybody or any condition to pull us so low as to cause us to hate. Give us strength to love our enemies and to do good to those who despitefully use us and persecute us. We thank Thee for Thy church founded upon Thy word that challenges us to do more than sing and pray, but go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not upon Thee. Then finally help us to realize that man was created to shine like stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children, black, white, red, and yellow, will rejoice in our common bond of humanity, in the kingdom of our Lord and our God, we pray. Almighty God, Thou hast called us to walk for freedom, even as though Thou did the children of Israel, we pray Dear God, as we go through a wilderness of state troopers, that Thou will hold our hand. We pray, dear God, as we must go through the valley of the shadow of death, that Thou will go with us and strengthen us for the task. Keep us strong. Keep us calm. Help us to love our enemy. And above all, keep the fires of freedom burning in our hearts so that no matter what happens, ain't going to let nobody turn us around. Because Thou, dear God, has sent us into this place. Thou has sent us to fight not just for ourselves, but to fight for this nation so that democracy might exist here for the whole world. Keep this vision in our hearts and may we one day wake up and find the state of Alabama or Maryland where all men might vote, where all children might get a decent education, where every man and woman might have a job according to his or her abilities and where every man and woman might live together as brothers And violence and bloodshed and hatred and prejudice shall be no more. Let us pray, O God, our Heavenly Father, out of whose mind this great cosmic universe has been created, toward whom the weary and perplexed of all generations turn for consolation and direction. We come before thy presence this evening, thanking thee for the many blessings of life. We come recognizing our dependence on Thee. We come also, O God, with an awareness. The fact that we have not always given our lives to that which is high and noble. In the midst of all of the high and noble aspects of justice, we followed injustice. We stand amid the forces of truth, and yet we deliberately lie. We stand amid the compelling urgency of the Lord of love, as exemplified in the life of Jesus Christ, and yet we live our lives so often in the dungeons of hate. For all these sins, O God, forgive. And in these days of emotional tension, when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, give us penetrating vision, broad understanding, power of endurance and abiding faith and save us from the paralysis of crippling fear and oh god we ask thee help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world and for a brotherhood that transcends race or color we thank thee this evening for the marvelous things which have been done in this city 
Amen. I think his words are relevant to us today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you this week. Give somebody a hug, a high five. Let's enjoy something to eat or drink. Have a great day.